Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 176. This is the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases. Uh, and Alex Whistling. Alex Whistling yep. and me having lots of meetings. Uh, I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel.com senior editor Ben Morse. We are here on a Wednesday uh, before I'm about to fly the coop, take a little vacay. Vacay? Vacay. You like that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're recording it. We're getting this in before time. We have some Walt Simons and Thor to discuss today. We have some news. We have all the stuff we always do. And we got comics to talk about. It's a fun grouping of comics this week, actually. So I like really funny, lighthearted stuff, which is kind of nice. I mean, I'm sure there's death and destruction that we'll also get to. More than 20 comics this week. Yes. Uh, we, are, uh, we are the worldwide leader. In comics? Yes, in sports entertainment. Yeah, I know. That's what I was going <laughs> yeah. for. Um, Promotional yeah. consideration paid for by, by the following. Have you noticed, like, every I, – I, there are at least three – I know Colt Cabana uses it, but there are, like, three wrestling podcasts at least that I listen to regularly that use that, that bit. Well, why would I don't you? know who came up with it first. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know what we're talking about, Lord Alfred Hayes was a classic WWF announcer. He was British. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Much respect. And on the old syndicated wrestling shows like WWF Superstars or Challenge, um, there would be a part in the show where they would basically say, this, this is who we're brought to you by. And he also always had Lord Alfred Hayes going, promotional consideration brought to you by the following. And then it would be like LGN, LJN uh, action figures and ice cream bars and stuff like that. Yeah. It's good times. Good times, good people. More good times in this week's books. Uh, an odd one to start because if you're like me, when you were putting your comics away a couple weeks ago, you freaked out because uh, it seemed like all new X-Men jumped straight from number 36 to number 38. But apparently they were holding this one back. Ryan, tell us more about it. Well, this is all new X-Men number 37, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Mike Del Mundo, which is always a treat to have always him do treat. interiors. Uh, it's a cool one because it's just this, this one-off story. Uh, that doesn't affect, you know, really all the other craziness going on with Black Vortex and such. Uh, but you've got Emma Frost taking young Jean Grey on a, you know, a little adventure. Vision quest. A vision quest, if you will. Uh, they're going to Madripoor. Madripoor being the um, hive of scum and villainy. Uh, where all the yeah. no-good nicks in the Marvel Universe hang out. Everyone goes to Madripoor these days. I feel like there was a, there was a time when you'd only see like Madripoor every once in a while. Madripoor is like a frequent tourist stop now. Yeah. They have really good tours board there. And they have cheap rates. Yeah, very cheap rates. I mean, you could fly in for... Yeah, it's super dangerous. So, yeah. you know, they'll put you up room and board for probably, you know, the Madriporian dollar. It's yep. very weak. Yeah, there's even a, a point in here where Emma's basically saying, you know, it's been held by this person and that person yep. and ninjas and yep. Mystique and blah, blah, blah. Where's Tiger Tiger at? Uh, didn't she get killed? I thought. Or just. No, she was in Dawkins' she was book disposed? for a while. She was disposed by Dawkins and then I think Viper and then Mystique. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff happens in Madripoor. Um, and it, it's a really interesting concept because Emma, she's a teacher. That, that's her deal. She really mm -hmm. likes being uh, a shaper of young minds. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the past, you know, couple years or however long Jean has been in, uh, been around, she's seen that Jean, this young Jean Grey is capable of so much and realizes that she can help her in ways that uh, the 
previous Jean Grey we knew, the older, regular timeline Jean Grey, never really had that guidance. Yeah. Uh, never had the, the information to, to further her powers. So Yeah, she calls Professor X out on basically, like, he didn't train you. Yeah. He didn't train you in telepathy nearly as much as he should have, maybe because he was afraid of you. Yeah, and there's a good part where Jean's like, wait, did he, st- like, stop me from mm-hmm. doing things? And it doesn't really get answered, but, you know... You... Emma leaves it, Emma, Emma lets it hang there. Yeah, which is, which is great. And uh, so Emma is um, she takes her here and she wants Jean to not be able to rely on her um, telepathy telepathy, but focus on her telekinesis and focus on just getting out of situations by you know her wits and her skills uh, you know in real life so uh, she boops her on the nose yep uh, key and, point and Emma takes away uh, Jean's telepathy which, which is oh, yeah. another big moment because we find out that Emma's much farther along in getting her regular powers back, and she, we know how she's done it and why she's doing it and all this stuff. And um, then we get Jean, you know, thrown to the wolves, a giant, fat, gluttonous, uh, chemically altered wolf yep. named the Blob. I love that you know the Blob lost his powers back in M Day. But people love using them so much. They're just like, ah, let's just find a reason to pump him back up. And yeah. he's got the same powers as before and just kind of look the other way. Yeah. yeah, he's on mutant growth hormone. Mutant growth hormone's great because it's the nice way for us to use all of the depowered mutants whenever we want. Sure. We'll just put it out there. Yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice introduction. We got it. Uh, so Gene has to fight Blob. And, you know, like, he's a pretty tough dude. Uh, and he's, he's – I like it. He's like, you're – why are you so little? Yeah. What what what's going on? He's very confused, and he's also just angry and mean and dumb. And uh, there's a great fight. It, it turns out really well. But um, I like this path that Young Jean and Emma are on. I think it it's going to lead to some more exciting stories. Okay, let's double dip into the Amazing Spider-Man pool. First up, Amazing Spider-Man number sixteen. Which not only are we double dipping Amazing Spider-Man, we're double dipping in this this issue because it's got two stories both written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage both drawn by Umberto Ramos the lead story is a bit of a cool down from Spider-Verse Peter is back in New York City he's trying to reacclimate to his life he fights the iguana uh, who's great great goofy I like that he's like the fourth tier reptile villain for Spider-Man so he's like He's not Lizard, he's not Sauron, he's not Stegron, but sure, Iguana. Yeah, um, but why the, not? But the whole gist of this is that while Peter's sp- fighting Iguana, he's also taking phone calls. He's talking to Aunt May, he's talking to his partners over at Parker Industries. So it's a nice way to kind of catch you up on his status quo stuff while also giving you a nice, great Umberto ramos fight and Iguana getting really annoyed that Spider-Man is ignoring him. And Spider-Man is also, it's great irony as he's talking about he wants to set up this prison to cure and help villains and reform them as he's just mercilessly punching and kicking this guy. (laughs) Then Peter makes it on time to a meeting where he and the rest of Parker Industries are bidding against Alchemax, which means Liz Allen, which means Tiberius Stone, and in this case means the Molten Man, Liz Allen's bro, who's coming back into the picture. They're both trying to get this contract to make the new prison uh, Peter Parker has a great idea, he has great vision, but the more nefarious Alchemax uh, elements have a different plan. Meanwhile, in the backup story, it is Black Cat-centric. It kind of weaves in and out of the original story, but it's really the first chance we've gotten to focus on Black Cat, 
on her own in a little while in this book since she went back to being all bad, how she's running her operation, what her plans are, a little look inside her head and what she wants to do moving forward. Mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man special number one. This was a treat. Um, I know you haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. You definitely got to check it out. Uh, this is the first of a three-part series being written by Jeff Loveness, new writer for us, uh, comes to us from Jimmy Kimmel Live, drawn by... JKL. JKL. To, to the show's friends. JKL, exclamation point. Yep. Um, and drawn by Luca Pizzari, who is phenomenal. Um, they are, these guys are both going to be doing some work coming up for us. Jeff is going to be working on the Groot series, and Luca Pizzari has a very cool story coming up in Secret Wars Journal that I actually saw some sketches from today. We'll have more next week. Um, but this is a three-part story, beginning Amazing Spider-Man special. It's going to continue in Inhuman. That it's going to continue in all-new Captain America. I'm sorry, that opening <laughs> splash is very Kubert-esque. I it's, love it. It's great. Luca Pizzari is wow. fine. Wow. Uh, just look, look at some of these. Just like... The bits he's doing are. I'm looking great. at it upside down, and I would be like, "Why do you see it right side up? It's yeah. gonna blow your mind." I'm like, oh, great, a, a Cuber page. Yeah, but it's it's fantastic. No, he's doing good stuff. I, I, it's cool. This is what I was talking about—a bit of the lighthearted stuff. Jeff Loveness obviously gets comedy, writes a great Peter Parker, a Peter Parker who is very self-conscious, uh, particularly in regards to his relationship with women. And that comes into play with him running headlong into Medusa, who is essentially, as he points out, his dream girl um, because she has red hair. Is it Medusa from WWE? No, it is not uh, future WWE Hall of Famer Alundra Blaze. Okay. Um, but there's some great bits here. Spidey's fighting these horned, winged creatures. Uh, this kid in the park wants a picture with him because he thinks he's Blade. To which point, Spider-Man's <laughs> how like, even, "How?" That's what Spider-Man said. Where he says, "Where are you even getting Blade from?" He's like, <laughs> "Like of, of all things." But that's just like a bit of the loveless writing. The Inhumans get tangled up with these creatures. There is some relationship between them and Adelan. Gorgon and Medusa show up. They bring in the new Inhumans. It's a nice bit for Spidey to get to meet the new humans, and this is kind of their first big team up with a superhero, and Spidey's great about it. He says, he says all right, hit me with the code names. I'm sure you've already got them. <laughs> like, all of this stuff, it's very, like, Loveness is Spidey is very self-aware, very kind of meta, breaking the fourth wall, but not really doing it. So he teams up with the new humans. They discover the threat who's unleashed us on the city. Look at this, another great page. Creepy. There is some tie-in with the Inhumans. We don't know fully what it is yet, but Medusa knows this guy, and he has got a plan to screw things up. It's going to be continued in Inhuman Special number one, which should be on sale very, very soon. Cool. All right, on to Atman number three, written by Nick Spencer, art by Ramon Rosanas and Jordan Boyd. Um, you know, Scott Lang, he's just trying to do his thing now. He's in Miami. Uh, that's how we pronounce yes. it now. Miami. Benito a Miami. See, uh, he's in Miami uh, doing his thing as um, like a security, security consultant. consultant. Yeah. Uh, he's got Grizzly, his trusted Your sidekick. favorite, your new favorite character. Love him. The character find of whatever year he was introduced in, but Probably now like 1977 or yeah. so. Uh, anyway, we've got all that. Um, while that's going on, that's part of our story, but we get um, this doctor character. Um, She's pre-existing. You, you're Eric, familiar with Erica her? Sondheim was... Stephen Sondheim? Uh, Stephen Sondheim's daughter, Erica, nice. was first introduced in Ant-Man Scott Lang's first appearance. She was the doctor that he was trying to get Cassie the operation from that ended up, he became Ant-Man to steal stuff. 
It's you don't need to know any of this, but it's kind of cool for Ant Man. Basically, everything in this issue is all from like Scott Lang's first three adventures, Man. which is really cool. Digging deep, yep. I like it. Yeah. Uh, but she's approached by a guy whose identity we find out towards the end of the book, uh, which really brings it full circle. It's really interesting stuff. Uh, lots of cool stuff with uh, Cassie Lang. I'm interested to see if or when. We'll get the discussion about what Cassie was up to for like a bunch of years. Yeah, Nick Spencer's kind of said it's probably not. It, it will happen, but probably not anytime soon. Yeah. For now, he's just kind of like writing Cassie as Cassie, which but is it's great. Out, it's out there. I want her to have yep. the normal life of a of a kid. That you she, really care about her. I do. No. Yeah. Deep and abiding great. love. Yeah. Um, so we've got uh, back to our Scott Lang action adventure piece, and he's going up against his arch enemy, Taskmaster. Tremendous, amazing. Yeah, it's really, really funny. I won't say anything more about that. If you guys uh, want to know more about Taskmaster, by the way, we did a listicle this week uh, called "Anything You Can Do, He Can Do Better." Ooh, I was pretty excited nice. to come up with that name, um, and it's all about Taskmaster. That's pretty great. Um, but killing it with the names lately for yeah, articles. Truly, uh, <laughs> good so, for me. <laughs> Uh, but really, we see who the antagonist uh, is going to be in this and how it may tie into some of the things you'll see in the movie coming mm-hmm. this summer. Uh, Not that this book is directly tied right, right, to right. the movie. Right, but like... It'll like if you are starting to read Ant Man mm-hmm. when you watch the movie, you'd be like, Oh, that's cool. That guy, I know that some guy. of those names, yep. I know some of those things. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Did you see on the, le- the letters page? Uh, someone says because Nick Spencer's answering the letters, I think it's this one, right? I think it's the one on the top of the second page. The guy says, like, Hey, this is great, this is more than just a cash grab. And Nick says something about, like, he's like, We are proud to be more than just a cash grab. <laughs> I've read the exact one, but it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's great. It's not, but uh, <laughs> it, it's a super solid book, which yeah. is great. It's nice to have. Um, Captain Marvel, number 13, written by Kelly Sudaconic and Warren Ellis, with art by what? David. What? Yeah, you didn't know that? No, I didn't even see that in the credits. Yeah. Wow, uh, sneaky. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, basically, uh, Captain Marvel has is traveling through this mm-hmm. crazy thing called the like the Envis, Endless Envelope or something like that. Crazy space stuff, right? Yeah. She's going to find her friends who have been captured by some no-good space pirates. Mm-hmm. Easy, right? But uh, I think Kelly Sue works with uh, Warren Ellis here because Warren's just coming up with insane Yeah, that things. makes sense. He comes up with uh, the warp bear. Yeah, the, uh, that makes sense now. It's, it's, all, it's all coming together. Yeah. Uh, so named by Carol's amazing uh, ship computer. Harrison. Harrison. Um, and the the idea is that the the uh, water bear, I think it's called. Yeah, I don't know, man. They lost me here. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Uh, the the act there's an actual creature in on Earth that can live in like well below sub freezing temperatures in in all kinds of extremes and adapts and it looks like this tiny little fat bear with mm-hmm. a like a mouth face adorable it's awesome I love it of uh, and so you know Warren Ellis and Kelly Sue come up with the idea like there's a space one that you know a giant massive like version yeah. of this thing that lives in space and it's fantastic there's so much cool stuff going on here lots of crazy space things um and really it's just a, a, an amazing issue to see carol be smart be aggressive be uh like the best friend anyone can have aggressive be aggressive yeah be e anyway yeah, uh, don't get me into the in faith there. no more mode um 
so yeah, we we get all kinds of stuff. Amazing use of her ship and just being totally great uh, and like super sad and emotional. Like, oh god, I love this issue so much. I like I like the idea of like. Because sometimes in movies, like a director, a guest director will come in and do like one scene. Yeah. Like I know they did it in, it's not one of ours, but Sin City. They did that with Quentin Tarantino. I like the idea of like you're reading this issue of Captain Marvel and there's just one page that's like, meanwhile on Earth, and it just like shows the next wave team. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's the page Warren Ellis wrote. Like he came in and guest wrote one page that had nothing to do with the rest of the story. That's a thing we should start doing. <laughs> uh, Deadpool number 43. Wait, also, oh, uh, I want to thank Warren Ellis and Kelly Sue for bringing the term warp bear juice. Warp bear. Warp bear juice. Yeah, that was the thing that it wasn't just warp bear was weird enough, but the fact that warp bear juice is prominent in here. Because the warp bears are being mined for their, for their warp juice. bear juice. Yeah, and that's what you need yeah. out in space. Okay, Deadpool number 43. Only two issues till Deadpool dies. Wah, wah. <laughs> Written by Jerry Duggan and Brian Fossein, art by Saba Espin. This wraps up Deadpool's adventure overseas, where he was hired by Roxxon to do some bad stuff in the Middle East. Him and Trapster were teaming up. They decided to overthrow their captors, and now they're fighting back as part of the resistance. In this issue, Deadpool has to do something really disgusting to free himself from a trap. And then he goes haul out on all these guys. Salva Espin really killing it. He draws, so good. He draws a wicked Deadpool. He's really refined himself on many Deadpool miniseries over the years. Uh, in doing this mission, Deadpool has kind of refocused himself on post-axis, like who he is, what his values are, things like that. And now next issue, he's going to be reuniting with Shikla as a discovery he makes towards the end of here has a big thing to do with her. Meanwhile, his enemies are gathering against him for a big showdown that's not going to be good because I guess he's dying in two issues. So that probably won't end well for him. Hasta la vista, Deadpool. All right, Fantastic Four number 644. Believe it or not, the penultimate issue of Fantastic Four. My goodness. Holy crap. Written by James Robinson, art by Leonard Kirk. Kind of continuing the theme of Robinson's run, which has just been throw as much crap into every issue as we can because it's pretty cool. And, and by crap, you just mean like cool I mean crap stuff. in a good way. Yeah. Throw as much stuff in there. Yes, crap would be a derogatory term there, and I apologize for using it. Um, yeah, he's just throwing a lot of cool stuff against the wall, and it's all working. So you've got the Fantastic Four, part of them making a pilgrimage into the Heroes Reborn universe to find out what's going wrong there. Sleepwalker is leading them. Namor is there. Human Torch, original Human Torch is there, Invisible Woman, Franklin, uh, old school, or new, I guess not old school, Johnny Storm would be new school Human Torch, technically. Johnny Storm, Wyatt yeah. Wingfoot, they're all in the mix. Meanwhile, the uh, Heroes Reborn, Avengers, and a bunch of demons from Franklin's dimension are invading New York City. So you've got the Thing leading a group of heroes, including the Mighty Avengers and some of the normal Avengers, to fight them off. It's just cool seeing these random, like, Heroes Reborn Avengers just, like, having at it, like, Hulk fighting Hulk and Thing fighting Thor. I just look at these weird costumes and trying to remember, like, why these were a thing. Um, but there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of characters. There's a new Frightful Four, again, for, like, the eighth time in this run. But that's the gag. And Mr. Fantastic bringing the fight to John Eden, the guy who's been torturing them this whole time. So this is going to lead to a big conclusion next issue. And on the last page of this issue, we see yet another Fantastic Four villain who has got his hands in all of this madness. I love that villain. I wonder if 
he'd ever make it to the big screen. That'd be pretty cool. I also like this uh, last page. They did this in both this and Miles Morales. Yeah. Uh, where they kind of teased do, 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 what's, do. what's what's coming as they reach the end of the series. Yeah. You're up. You've got like I know, I know. I'm ready. Uh, Guardians Team Up, number two, written by Brian Michael Bendis and art by Stefan Rue. Nebula has captured Gamora. She is delivering her to a someone who hired her um, to do this. We meet him. We see the Chitari back on Earth. The Avengers and Guardians are all knocked out in this crazy big crater. They wake up. They interact. They had some fun stuff going on. Hawkeye's great in this issue again. Starler's great in this issue again. Drax is great in this issue again. Rocket's great in this issue again. Everyone's great. We get a nice Gamora just, like, showcase just brutal action. Her fighting Chitauri. Her just doing everything she can do uh, Well, the Avengers chase after. There's an awesome sequence with Venom where Venom apparently was, like, taking a nap this whole time. Up to this point, and he wakes up and he's like, Whoa, what's going on? And like, the Avengers are on the ship and they're out in space. And he's like, Oh, Hawkeye, how's it going? And like, Rocket says, like, Oh, I forgot this guy was on the team. Um, and then Venom <laughs> suits up and joins the Avengers. Just like, funny stuff. Um, there's Thanos ties in this issue. The reason Thanos ties is that like a new sitcom, kind of yeah, like Family Michael, Ties? It's exactly like that. It's Thanos as the dad. In Family Ties. I it literally starts, love this it idea. Star, it starts in this issue. Uh, great surprises. Stefan Rue. We don't get to see a lot of work no, by Stefan. and this, so is, this is cool to see the interiors. But uh, great showcase for Gamora in particular. Nebula gets nicely rebuilt here. Uh, we haven't seen her in a while. This, been a, this is a springboard for uh, a lot of the characters featured here. Besides just kind of the fun Avengers, Guardians mashups. Uh, this is a good springboard for a lot of these characters to do some cool stuff. Speaking of springboards, there's no better springboard than a new number one issue. And in this number one issue, uh, hijinks do ensue. It's Howard the Duck number one, written by Chip Zdarsky. Great art by Joe Canonis. And uh, it made me laugh out loud multiple times. There's something going on in space, but Howard the Duck doesn't care because he's in jail. Um, he's in jail. He, he doesn't, they don't even really get into why he's in jail. He's just in jail. He's in trouble. He meets this girl, this tattoo artist. They can relate to each other. Howard just rants. Uh, Zdarsky's got his voice down perfectly. You know, there's, it, it, it's hard. I feel like since Steve Gerber, a lot of people have tried to write Howard the Duck. Some have had varying success. Zdarsky really seems to bring Howard into this century with the same attitude he had back in the 70s. Uh, She-Hulk's in this issue because if you remember from the last issue of She-Hulk, Howard the Duck moved into She-Hulk's building, and that is totally um, that is totally referenced here. She is his lawyer now, except she doesn't help him at all. She throws a brick at him, uh, which isn't very nice. Howard just keeps complaining. Uh, someone, and I love that uh, he gets a client because he's a private investigator now. Because I didn't mention that, and he thinks that's why the cops hate him. Um, and <laughs> they said that they uh, they they went to see a movie and they saw him on the screen. And what that is is he has ads now on the screen. Uh, great stuff. He's got a case. He is trying to retrieve some stuff that was stolen by the black cat, who is having a huge week. He goes to Spider-Man to try to get some help. Spider-Man is a jerk. Uh, Howard <laughs> sends Spider-Man a text message, and he can't operate the phone because of, like, because he's a curmudgeon, basically. And it's this ridiculous uh, autocorrected thing. Here, I'll read it to you. It says, Hey, soused man, meet Nev in the roof of the Hollingsworth building on 3rd at 10 tonight. P.S. It's Howard. P.S. In a duck. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's awesome. It just everyone is so mean to Howard. Um, 
everyone's nasty to him. He has a training montage <laughs> that's basically him. He takes on this tattoo artist girl as as his the Watson to his Sherlock, and they're like, "We're gonna go steal some. We're gonna go steal back this stuff from Black Cat." Then they literally have a training montage, and it's it's got the thing. It's got Howard working out in a shirt that says "No harm, no foul." Nice. F O W L. I got that with, joke. With, with the headband, with the weights. It's all excellent. There's so many good jokes in here. I love Howard. They tr- they try to sneak into Black Cat's uh, apartment by dressing up as pizza chefs and then delivering the pizza. Naturally. And she doesn't know why they have to have chef hats on. He goes, because we had to make the pizza. And they made pizza. They come in. She's not there. Stuff happens. Someone shows up. Spider-Man shows up. And then by the end of the issue, we're in space and Rocket Raccoon's there. I mean, naturally. I mean, did I sum this up nicely? I don't yeah. know. It's great. It's so funny. This was the... Exactly what I was talking about when I was saying there's so many fun books this week. Like, this was a blast, yeah. and I am so happy it's an ongoing series, and I will read it every month. Awesome. Uh, if I haven't, I think I have already. How Did This Get Made has a great episode on the Howard the Duck movie. Oh, yeah? From, uh, it's like episode, like, 62 or 63 of their mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, it is terrific. Okay. All right. That's one to go back and I check I think out. Wyatt Snack is on that one. I can't remember. <laughs> I listen to a lot of that podcast, but it's great. It's really wacky. Um, all right, next book for us is Miles Morales, The Ultimate Spider-Man, number 11, Brian Michael Bendis, David Marquez, Justin Ponsor. Penultimate. Penultimate, uh, ultimate. My goodness. Uh, it starts up with these uh, creepy not-Spider-Man twins. Mm-hmm. What is their deal? Are I don't know, it? man. We better find out their deal, or I'm going to have words. Well, there's only one issue left, so we, we have to. I we have to I'm find saying. out their deal. They have these cool suits, and they're mm-hmm. totally badass. They've been around like the whole series, yeah. too. And uh, so Jessica Drew, Black Widow, comes to stop them from doing what they got to do. But she is she's sort of met her match because there's two of them. Yeah, there's two. Not fair. It's a handicap match. Yeah, and they're they're both like, whoa, she's super fast and she's pretty strong. But there's two of us. Yeah, so we're brother. Yeah, they they totally uh, they beat the crap out of her. Yeah, pretty brutal. uh, No no punches pulled. No. Uh, Well, that's going on. (laughs) We are really digging into. What's going on with Miles? If I may, I do like the aside where their roommate from last year, who like basically hasn't shown up much in the whole Miles run, but shows up once in a while, just shows up and, and just says, like, oh, by the way, I know Miles is Spider-Man. I'm not stupid. Yeah. Like, I lived with you guys. Which is great, because that would awesome. totally be the case. Yeah. Like, He's like, I'm not going to say anything, but stop. Like, stop. Yeah, don't be a jerk. Don't, don't be a jerk. Like, yeah. just acknowledge that I, I lived in a room with you guys for a semester. Obviously, he was sneaking out to be Spider-Man all the time. I hate you. Bye. <laughs> uh, there's also a great moment with Gonky in in that scene because mm-hmm. he's trying he's wondering where the hell Miles is. He looks mm-hmm. and he sees Miles's phone. He texts Miles, yep. not realizing that he's texting Miles yes. without it's just there's this really funny sequence. A lot of it it just feels so real mm-hmm. too. Like these are things that people Oh yeah I've done that do. before. Yeah. I've definitely seen my wife's cell phone in the room and then texted her. Yep. Same like, here. Hundred sure. percent. Um, and then yelled to ask her why she's not picking <laughs> up her cell phone. <laughs> uh, so then we finally get to, to Miles, and uh, he's been captured by Hydra because oh. his girlfriend is – she's essentially – she's bo- born into Hydra. She's which a Hydra is a, legacy. She's I a really, Hydra pledge. Yeah. She's like, you know, second-generation Hydra. Yeah. Um, it's a very – I don't know. Have we seen that sort of – before really, Hydra's so. been like a lot of like nameless people and you yeah. know like the rah 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 rah. Yeah, Strucker. But this is it's a very it's a really cool personal take on it. Her parents are Hydra. There's the sense that she believes that there's they're not just these world conquering no good nicks. They no. have an agenda that is 
for the greater good. Well, it's the same way if you grow up and your parents are like, I don't know, like Jehovah's Witnesses or something. Like, that's what you know. It's not the same. I'm not saying Jehovah's Witnesses <laughs> are the same as Hydra. Please understand that. I'm saying that she was raised in a household where being Hydra was just the way like things that, were. Yeah, that's normal. It's yep. good. It's it's a positive way to live. And that, you know, so she's got that going oh, on. I've got the Jehovah's Witnesses after me now. Yeah, they're going to get you. Great. Uh, there's whole, there's, they actually have a building right down the street from me at my house. So yeah, this, I have one this too. is perfect. Yep. Uh, so we have uh, all that's going on. And, you know, Katie. Uh, she's trying to tell Miles, like, look, this is, you gotta work with us here, because bad things are gonna happen. And really, bad things will happen to Miles, his family, and loved ones, Mm -hmm. uh, if if he does not comply. These Hydra people, um, for all the good that Katie believes, are not really Nasty customers, man. They're Hydra, you know? Deal with it. Now, um, I I don't want to say this character, but yeah. Is this character wearing armor or is that skin? It's a great question, Ryan. I think it's one you need to look inside yourself to answer. Well, I want it to be skin simply because there's this whole Ken right. doll aspect sure. going on right here. He's a eunuch. Yeah. Basically. Uh, I mean, hey, that's the trade off. You get these cool legs yep. and you get those cool like fingers and the, the eyes and stuff. He's got it. And, the, and those spider twins are working for him. Yeah. His little bros. Yeah. Yep. Lot to uh, lot to digest. A lot of answers yeah. to come in this last issue before no the Ultimate peen. Universe gets blown up. Ultimate no pain. Ultimate no pain. It's gonna be the next new hit. Uh, Miss Marvel number thirteen, possibly the most adorable issue of the year. Um, just made me go on on every page. Uh, it's written by G. Willow Wilson. It is drawn by Takeshi Miyazawa. It's about um, Kamala Khan's first crush. Basically, first of all, she's training with the Inhumans. She's trying to get better at being Miss Marvel. Um, but then she also, her, her parents are like, hey, our old family friends are coming to town. Remember their son? He was like a five-year-old who picked his nose when you knew him. He's coming back. He's very successful now. And it's obvious they're trying to kind of, you know, arrange something with her. This is all about Muslim culture and all that. And he's a dreamboat now. Yeah. What a he hunk. Is, he's a hunk. Look at that stubble on his chin. So they go out. Set me up. With they him. go out on kind of a date, but her brother's long as a chaperone because, again, her parents aren't going to let her go it's out with a boy. That's, that's how it goes. They're going through. Jersey City, they're talking. It's so related. It's such like ah, this is this is how people talk. This is a meat cute. This is a real meat cute. <laughs> and of course, then a bad guy shows up. She has to go fight him as Miss Marvel. Uh, there's an inhuman element to all of it, and there's more than meets the eye to this guy. Oh, you rhymed. Yes. Did you did you realize that? Oh, I knew what I was doing. Kay. I knew what I was doing going in. So we get a nice Miss Marvel fight. We get this great personal stuff. And also the art by Takeshi Miyazawa. I haven't seen this in a little bit. Um, awesome. Perfect for this issue. Obviously, Super tight and yeah. like just really like stepped up the game yeah. totally. Obviously, Adrian Alfona is, you know, awesome and love to see him on every issue. But this is actually kind of the perfect issue for this because if you remember Takeshi Miyazawa has done a lot of like kind of young adult stuff and so the romance scenes are perfect but the action's dead on too um, there's the, um, the fight between Kamala and the, the new villain character mm-hmm. was really good and like that the bit at the end when you know the where, thing happens where the thing happens I was yeah. like oh damn yeah oh damn yeah so uh, just just wonderful and I think there's a great letter uh, in the back that Sana answers where she talks about how her mom wants her to get married. 
which is always great. I think that's the boned extra added value of Miss Marvel is that uh, editor Sana Aminat is constantly talking about her mother's pressure on her to get married in the letters column. It's a recurring feature. Yeah. Good luck, Sana. That's reality. Yeah. All right. Up next is New Avengers number 31. Uh, Alex, what happens in two months? Time runs out. Did you guys hear that? Yeah. Did you guys hear that? Okay, good. Okay. Uh, so uh, this is uh, Time Runs Out, Secret Wars connection. Huge one, too. This is a big, big issue. Let me let me say that the title of the issue is Rabum Alal. Which I like. You I am me the other week, and I think in a press release, Chris Delando, sorry, Chris, um, had like... Not even misspelled it. It was like he said Robin Malal once, and he's like Rollin Ball. Like he had all different things. And you, 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 I am me and said, which one is it? And I said, I literally don't think anyone but Jonathan Hickman has spelled this the same way twice since the concept was introduced. Yeah. He's the only one who knows. Yeah. Robin Malal being like the end all be yeah. all. The boss level of the Black Swans. So like the most powerful thing out there. And mm. we've already met the other most powerful thing out there. So how do those most powerful things out there connect to and each if other? you know your Marvel Universe history, it makes sense. So much sense. I, I like I called it. It's like mm. I was turning the page. I was like, and I didn't, I didn't know this. You didn't going know? In. I oh, okay. For some reason, I just. I, I blocked out. You must uh, have, going I've in, known for a while. Yeah, going in, I was like, it's got to be so-and-so. Yeah. Um, which, you know, was perfect because mm-hmm. it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So in this, we get to see uh, Doctor Strange leading the uh, the Black Priests. Yeah. Right? The Black Priests who just... So did, metal. Like, the thing I like... <laughs> I like that in the lead-up to Secret Wars and all these different stories, we've introduced all these different, yeah. you know, characters and races. Usually powerful things, factions. But it's like escalations. Like, you mm-hmm. think, it's like Dragon Ball Z. You think, uh, you know, this, you know, this one dude um, is, is super powerful. Along comes another dude who's like more super 50 powerful. times yeah. more powerful. And then another dude is 100 yeah. times more powerful than that dude. Yeah, things and just like, keep getting worse. It, the escalation of, of power across all these books is amazing. And the Black Priests have, are, you know, they find these doors and these keys and all this crazy stuff, and Doctor Strange is their leader, which I think is hmm. super weird and cool, and he's he's got his stuff together, but, like, he's kind of shaky at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and he gets to where the uh, the Black Swans are, and, um, yeah, it's it's madness. All kinds yeah, of but things. we've got black swans, black priests, ivory kings, map makers, builders, yeah, other stuff, yeah, There's so many, yep, aliphs, aliphs, yeah, 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 so many things. Um, all that's going on, and so there's a big battle. The outcome is really like never in question, yeah, never in question. Uh, and finally, Doctor Strange gets to peek behind the curtain and see who's running the show. We meet Rabu Malal. Mm-hmm. We see what that all means, what's going on, and then the last page is like this ominous, like you can hear the drums beating, like boom, 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 boom. It's going to be insane. Oh, man. That is such a big issue. Cannot emphasize enough how much you guys got to check that out before uh, time runs out. Nova Annual Number 1, written by Jerry Duggan, art by David Baldion. This also brings to a close a lot of stuff that's been building. In this case, Nova's uh, quest to get his helmet fixed because he's been so messed up. And it comes full circle because the guy who screwed his helmet up in the first place was the Hulk during Axis. And Nova ends up going to the Baxter building to try to get help fixing his helmet from Reed Richards. But Reed Richards isn't there right now. Instead, Doc Green is. And Doc Green 
kind of feels bad. You know, I screwed up your helmet. I will help you out. Obviously, Hulk is another character that Jerry writes. So it's a good old-fashioned team-up between Hulk and Nova. They go into space to try to locate the materials Doc Green needs to fix Nova's helmet. They end up on what remains of Xandar, which used to be the home base of the Novas. And they have to liberate some uh, trapped Xandarians from a mean old Mr. Slave Man uh, who Hulk beats mean in... Mean old Mr. Slave Man. <laughs> who Hulk beats in one punch. Um, but really, it's, it's, it's the stuff between Hulk and uh, Nova. It's the character moments. It's Sam being so excited to be able to fly again. It's the really sweet moment he has with Doc Green, who is not a sweet character, and then the really jerky moment he has with Doc Green, who is kind of a jerky character. Cosmos in this issue, and it leads directly into Nova's involvement in the Black Vortex. All right. Silver Surfer, number 10, written by Dan Slott, art by Mike Allred. Uh, Galactus has come to eat New Haven. New Haven is this... Connecticut. Uh, uh, yes. He's come to Connecticut mm-hmm. to finally... He's going to feast on Yale. Yes. Is that where they are? I believe so. Okay. Uh, so New Haven is this amazing planet mm-hmm. uh, filled with the final survivors from planets that Galactus has devoured. Uh, it's really sad, really sweet at mm-hmm. the same time. And um, at the end of the last issue, we thought that Galactus had killed Silver Surfer. Adar. Yeah. He's not dead. Uh, he's Wouldn't that be something, though? It would be. Wouldn't we get a new something? Silver Surfer? And it's Dawn. Yeah. That's anyway. Awesome. We should, uh, they should just do that. Yeah. Let's cancel this issue. Send it back. The end. Yeah. Uh, so Silver Surfer is trying to stop Galactus however we can, and it takes a turn as the citizens of New Haven uh, realizing... When you say that, it's making me laugh. I'm just <laughs> like picturing New Haven. Uh, they realize uh, that you know what they need to do uh, requires sacrifice. Um, what is needed from everyone in this issue requires sacrifice. Because uh, you can't, none of these people are going to beat Galactus. It just ain't going to happen. Nope. Uh, which I think is cool because we've seen Galactus beaten so many times. Mm-hmm. You you got to see him win. Yeah. He, one way or another, he's going to get that snack on. Got to get that heat back. Right. Uh, so all the citizens of New Haven do their thing. Um, we get uh, a changing perspective for Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. He's super sad because uh, he bummed out Dawn. Yep. Um, and then he says something. He does. He does. And uh, I'm sure Amazing. that's going to hang over both of them for a little while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but now this leaves Surfer in a place where he can be a herald again. But a herald for what? You'll have to read. Uh, on to Spider-Gwen number two, written by Jason Latour, art by Robbie Rodriguez, and colors by Rico Renzi. Uh, all right, hmm. straight up, Spider Pig is all over this issue. Uh, Spider Ham. Spider Ham, sorry. Come on, man. Spider- Come on, man. I'm looking at him, and he's a pig. He is a pig. Yeah, Spider Ham, you're wow. right. Uh, Spider Ham is throughout this issue, and if we don't get Spider Ham as a permanent I mean, it place, see, it in seems this book, like that's what's being set up here is for Spider Ham to be a I need that pretty recurring figure here. So good, partially because the way Robbie Rodriguez draws Spider Ham, great Spider Ham, just amazing. It, yep. Very different from what we're used to, and mm-hmm. I think it works 100%. Uh, but the end of last issue, uh, Sp- uh, Spider-Woman got her butt kicked by the vulture. Uh, 
in a sense, when we find out exactly what happened here, and she's sort of delirious, she's in garbage, um, all that's going on, and we're starting to really expand into her supporting cast and her universe. Right. You know, more of the um, the, the Mary Janes, her you know band members. Uh, what's going on with her dad? Detective Frank Castle. Detective Frank Castle. Detective Gene DeWolf. Um, Jerk lawyer Matt Murdock. Yeah, Wilson Fisk, mm-hmm. Matt Murdock. They're uh, all there. I love Matt Murdock in this. Oh, he is yeah. just the worst. It really is like, oh, what, can, what, what could Daredevil do if he was the worst? Oh, it's just such a dick. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, all this is going on, but it really, like, there's a core emotional component to this issue to Spider-Woman and to what what we get to by the end that is just really, really impactful. Another mm-hmm. kick-ass issue from this. And we get another one in, like, two, three weeks. Yeah. Just keep them coming. Keep them coming. Speaking of which, why don't you keep them coming because you got another one here. Hey-o, Spider-Man 2099 number 10. Written by Peter David. Art by Will Sliney and colors by Antonio Fabela. Uh, it's maestro time, baby. Oh, maestro is everywhere. Yeah. Big dude. This is like year, this is the year of Maestro. Yes, every he's year. in video games. He's in multiple comics. It's great. He's everywhere, man. Uh, so again, like if you read Future Imperfect, Maestro's got his harem, mm-hmm. all the ladies he likes to, ladies. to lay with. Uh, Spider Man is trapped in Maestro's dungeon caves mm-hmm. uh, with uh, the Sorceress Supreme. Strange, Strange Twenty Ninety Nine. Yeah, there you go. Duh. Deep cut. Yeah, totally. Uh, and they want to get out. They're working together. We get a glimpse again into uh, the trophy room that we saw in Future Imperfect, mm-hmm. which is always... Ch- I, I like now, that, it, but it's changed to reflect yes. the current Marvel Universe, which is cool. Yeah, we get to see Cyclops's, like, yep. face and Magneto's thing. different helmet. Yep, yeah. So there's, there's a little bit of some changes here and there. Uh, super cool. The idea is Spider-Man needs to get back. He needs to use the time portal and Dr. Doom's time machine and roll on back to his time and stop stuff from happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Strange 2099 stabbed in the back by Maestro who's wearing Hood's cloak. Oh my God, that was great. That was terrific. Wearing Hood's cloak and wielding uh, a soul dagger. So Pixie's soul dagger. Oh, man, so good. Uh, I won't spoil the rest of it, but it takes a bunch of twists and turns and such a great series. Such a great series. Spider-Man and the X-Men is my favorite book that I didn't know I was going to love. I say it every time, but Elian Kalen's writing is so funny, but also so perfect for Spider-Man. And the development he has done with these students, with these kids, is phenomenal. Like, characters have been around for years, like Rockslide, Eyeboy, Shark Girl, who all have great names, by the way, Hellion, uh, Glob Herman. They're getting so much character development in this book that I feel like, you know, years of seeing them just in the background of X-Men books, um, it's really good to see. Uh, R.B. Silva does some guest art on this issue, and after stopping a horrible, horrible version of the Sinister Six, the all-new Sinister Six, which is a great joke in of itself, um, led by Swarm, who Hellion defeats by dispersing the bees everywhere, and Spider-Man gets really mad at him because he's like, ah, no... You were so harsh on Swarm. And Hellion's like, are you crazy? Like, 
It was Swarm. Um, Does he call him out as being a Nazi? Does not man? mention the Nazi oh. element here, which is always you, disappointing. You gotta let people. If you're know. gonna write Swarm, you should reference the fact that he's a collective of Nazi bees. Dude's a Nazi bee man. You do not give him any mercy. No, no mercy. Spider-Man finally tells Storm why he's at the school, so she eases up on him a little bit. Although there's a great line where he's hanging upside down, she's looking at him, and he says, "You know, Storm. Usually when I'm upside down this close to a woman, we kiss." And she says, "Ugh." <laughs> um, but now she knows why he's there, so she gives him a little more leeway all of a sudden beast shows up looking like cookie monster um and says spider-man i don't like you either i'm wondering if there's a plot point to the fact that all the x-men hate spider-man because i feel like they haven't hated him this much but they may maybe they just do they find him annoying um beast says you know i'm smarter than you let's have a science off so they both pick their own teams and spider-man uses his students beast uses his students and they've got to build like the most useful thing they can uh, Rachel Gray, who also hates Spider-Man, uh, is trying to interrogate him, and she knows he's Peter Parker now, and she wants to find out what he's up to. But so you've got kind of a jerk move on her part, totally just digging in there and absolutely just a jerk stuff move. Out. You've got Rockslide and Shark Girl being made team leaders because Spider-Man believes in them, and Hellion being pissed that he's not the team leader and they're worried he's going to sabotage you. He goes, "Oh, don't worry, I like to win like way more than anything else, so like I won't sabotage you here." Uh, Glob Herman is feeling really bad, and he talks to Rockslide, and he's like, "Hey, you were kind of a joke, and now everyone takes you seriously. How do I do that?" <laughs> um, there's stuff with them. There's stuff with No Girl, and there's actually a No Girl versus Rachel Gray fight in the Mindscape. Uh, it's pretty intense. Uh, none of the inventions work. They're all terrible. And then uh, the crazy mishmash of Spider-Man and X-Men villains show up at the end. Sure. This book is great. Yeah. Buy this book. Who did the art? Uh, R.B. Silva. So good. Who has not done work for us before. I don't believe he did some for a different company. Hmm. Well, glad we snatched him up. Uh, up next, Star Wars number three, written by Jason Aaron, art by... John Cassidy and colors by Laura Martin. Uh, this is the final part of the fight on this uh, mining planet between Darth Vader and the Imperial troops and our ragtag group of rebellious heroes. Uh, Darth Vader takes down an At-At by himself mm -hmm. in this issue. Nat-At, if you don't know, is kind of like a dog-looking uh, giant walker robot thing, a vehicle that is very tall, Extremely powerful uh, and is, you know, driven by a bunch of troops. Uh, so the rebels, Han, Leia, uh, and all the slaves that they've freed have gotten a hold of one, uh, and they're just tearing it up. They're trying to escape, get to the Millennium Falcon, get off this planet, and save their behinds. Mm. Uh, and, of course, Vader walks out of, like, eight fires. Like, he should be dead ten times over, but no, you can't kill him right now. He's Darth <laughs> Vader. <laughs> right now. Right now. <laughs> uh, Maybe someday. Yeah, so badass. Also in this issue, there's some, like, violence going on. Yeah. I, the level you don't really get to see in the movies, I mm -hmm. think you do get to see some, a little bit more of that in uh, some of like the cartoons and stuff, like yeah. the, the more the Getty Tartowski stuff, like a little Wars. bit more intense, yeah. Uh, but super cool, uh, great stuff. It just again, it feels exactly like you're watching Star a Star Wars, Wars movie. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. And uh, yeah, again, lots. Of, I love how much. So a lot of times where Vader just walks away from horrible explosions. Yeah, like everybody's dead behind him. Thing. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. Uh, and like, his cape is singed a couple life. times. This <laughs> life. 
Uh, and then he's just like ranting at uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Yep, I love it. He's not there because yeah, he's you know he's dead. dead. Yeah, so good. Yeah, very so good, good stuff. Superior Iron Man number six, written by Tom Taylor, art by Laura Braga. Uh, Superior Iron Man Tony Stark has decided he wants to take over a media empire because he needs good press. So he tries to do a hostile takeover. He has Teen Abomination there as kind of like his bodyguard. But boom, Pepper Potts beats him to the punch. Pepper finally shows her hand as she's working against Tony. They have a little talk. He explains who... Uh, Teen Abomination is in relation to Happy Hogan, who of course is in relation to Pepper Potts. And then Pepper unleashes her secret weapon, which is an Iron Man armor. But who's in the Iron Man armor? You will find out by the end of this issue. Who is it? It is. <laughs> Ta da! What? Wow. Can you believe it? Well, all right. I know. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right, on to Thor number six, written by Jason Aaron, art by Russell Dodderman, and colors by Matthew Wilson. Uh, straight up, first off, we get the the origin of Dario Agar, CEO of Roxxon. Oh, yeah, that was a good one, man. Giant Minotaur dude. So Great good. origin. Yeah, that's, that's an origin. That's how you do it. Yeah, buddy. Um, so crazy stuff. Basically, uh, Agar now is negotiating with Malekith to gain... Uh, mining mm-hmm. uh, rights to... Oh, so amazing. So amazing that it's just like, his evil plan is just that he wants to drill for oil yeah. in the he elves' kingdom. He just wants more money. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Agar's fantastic. Yeah, Such a great villain. So slimy, so terrible. Uh, Malekith is... I also like uh, what he does to his enemies. Oh, God. It's terrible. So bad. Uh, so all that's going on, we get the Odin son... Uh, trying to talk to Heimdall and get some information, but then he doesn't get what he wants, so he goes and beats it's the living crap out of some trolls. Yeah, who, makes him uh, feel better. Yeah, it would make any of us feel better. Yeah. Um, we get to see him interact with uh, one of his you know, long-standing mm, supporting cast members. Yes. Really sweet moment here, uh, and he ends up being able to cross off another name of his list, which leads us to his search for someone else. He's still looking to find out who is Thor? Yeah. Who is the lady who has taken Mjolnir and uh, done crazy awesome things with it? So he's on that uh, on that train trying to figure that out. Coulson up in here. Yep. Fantastic. Good Coulson. Yeah. Jason yeah. writes a hell of a Phil Coulson. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that's going on, and we finally get back to Thor. Yeah, there and she is. Yeah. She's, uh, she's you know... Going after Agar, going after Roxxon, taking some bullets. They tickle her. Ha, ha, ha. She likes, you know, she's, she's laughing. Likes them, it. She's laughing them off. But, boom. Oh, Odin. Yeah. Jerk of jerk. I'm excited to talk about Odin from Walt Simonson's run contrasted to today's Odin. Yeah, uh, It's right? very interesting. He's just, yeah. Yeah. Old cranky Odin. All right. Up last, we got Wolverine's number 10, written by Ray Fox, art by Jonathan Marks, continuing the wild and wacky adventures of Fang and his good time gang. I. Just can we just retitle this book Fang? Fang, I like Fang and his good time. Yeah, gang. I'll take that as well. Fang and the Wolverine. So Fang takes Sabretooth into space with him. The encounter—it's kind of a cool idea. It's this race that is exterminating like every other race around them um, because they're more powerful than everyone around them. But what we learn is that they are just the strongest race in a really weak universe. So basically, while they can eradicate everyone around them, Sabretooth and Fang can just tear through them easily. And they're like, how are you doing this? We're so powerful. Um, 
Fang puts Sabretooth in a moral conundrum to kind of examine, like, are you as changed as you were? And are and who are you, like, in relation to Wolverine? He basically says, look, you can, we can destroy this whole race, commit genocide, and in the process save all the people they would have killed, or we can try to rehabilitate them, but there's no guarantees. And Sabretooth has a lot of internal struggles to deal with. Meanwhile, back on the ranch, uh, Shogun and Lady Deathstrike are still getting hot and heavy. Boom. Yeah. Bone Town is going to come Bone Town USA continues. For sure. In Wolverines. Yeah. So many good books this week. Oh, uh, man. I really liked Howard the Duck, number one. I really liked Spider-Man and the X-Men, number four. I really liked Spider-Gwen, number two. Uh, I really like New Avengers, number 31. I could keep going. Uh, my pick's going to be Miss Marvel. It was just so touching, and the art was great, and I, I loved it. It's a marvelous week because I'm picking Captain Marvel. <gasps> yeah. Nice. All right. So there you go. Carol Cores and Kamala Cores. Is that the core? Is that what it's called? Kamala. It's called Kamala, Kamala Core. Kamala Core. They have a Kamala Core. So there you go. Well, yeah, not in the books, but uh, fandom. We have one. Yes. So there you go. Lots of good books to read this week. Also on sale this week. Uh, collections, All New Ultimates Volume 2, No Gods, No Masters, Avengers Quicksilver, which Ryan really wants me to read, uh, Deadpool Volume 7. You can have se- my copy, then. <laughs> Deadpool Volume 7, Axis, and George Romero's Empire of the Dead, Act 2. Digital comics on the app, everything we just mentioned, plus issues 4 through 6 of Avengers Millennium, which is an Avengers Infinite comic that, yeah, it's coming out. I guess we didn't get issues, issues 1 through 3 were out last week. I do guess. We, what, do we know anything about it? I did at one point. But cool. a lot of information goes in and out of my head every day, so For I no sure. longer do. But yeah. it's an Avengers Infinite comic, That's so fair. enjoy. All right. Also on the app, Captain America and Citizen V, 1998 Annual, Fantastic Four, 51 through 60. That's from the original series, as well as Fantastic Four Annual number 4. And Thunderbolts issues 0 and 15 through 22. Collections on the app this week, uh, as Yanni McYonerson does his yawn over there. Yeah. All new Ultimates Volume 2, New Gods, No Masters, Avengers Quicksilver, Daredevil, Battle and Jack Murdoch, Dark Rain Young Avengers, Deadpool Volume 7, Axis, Fear Itself, Uncanny X-Force, The Deep, George Romero's Empire of the Dead, Act 2, Osborne, Evil Incorporated, and a really good one here, Spider-Man, Nothing Can Stop the Juggernaut. Yeah. That Osborne series is terrific, too. Yeah, that is terrific. Yeah. Uh, freshly digitized on Marvel Unlimited, we've got all-new Dupe, number 5, all-new X-Factor, number 13, Avengers World, number 12, Black Widow, number 10, Captain America, number 24, Deadpool versus X-Force, number 4, Death of Wolverine, number 1, Hawkeye versus Deadpool, number 0, Iron Fist, The Living Weapon, number 6, Legendary Star-Lord, number 3, Moon Knight, number 7, Original Sin, number 8, Rocket Raccoon, number 3, She-Hulk, number 8, and Spider-Man 2099, number 3. In the news this week, first, as we, as always lately, we start with your Secret Wars update. What are the new Secret Wars tie-ins that have been announced? Well, just today, uh, we announced Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps, which is going to be the Captain Marvel book during this Secret Wars event. It is written by Kelly Sue DeConnick as well as Kelly Thompson. I believe David Lopez is drawing it. Pretty sure. Um, but read the article for confirmation. Uh, I haven't published it yet. That's why I'm hemming and hawing. <laughs> um, I know by the time this comes out, we will also have announced Years of Future Past, which is a follow-up to Days of Future Past by Marguerite Bennett and Mike Norton. Uh, it sounds like Marguerite is a huge fan and has some really cool plans for that. Giant-sized little Marvels, ABX, is exactly what it sounds like. It's Scotty Young, 
writing and drawing uh, Little Avengers, fighting Little X-Men, a la all those great covers he does. Mrs. Deadpool and the Howling Commandos is Jerry Duggan writing Shikla in her own series where she's uh, got a team of monster hunters. Everything you just said, I love. It's, it's going to be great. Squadron Sinister, which is written by Mark Guggenheim with beautiful art by Carlos Pacheco, focuses on the original Squadron Sinister, the bad guy versions of Squadron Supreme, and they're going to fight the Squadron Supreme from Supreme Power who you may last remember as getting decimated in New Avengers a couple months killed. ago. Killed. Let's say it. Uh, they were killed. They were killed. And Mark has already said in his interview that he they're going to get killed again. Hey. He, he straight up said it in the interview. He goes, he, he said, he used the term spoilers, they get killed. <laughs> um, so horrible, horrible couple they're months for, the squ- for Supreme Power. So they're going to do something awful to shape. Yep. I Maybe. He wasn't in the preview pages, but maybe that's because something already bad has already happened. Guardians of Nowhere is Brian Bennis and Mike Diodato doing their Battleworld take on the Guardians of the Galaxy, who are situated in the moon of Battleworld, which also happens to be Nowhere. So basically, the Celestial Head is the moon of Battleworld, which is kind of a cool idea. We just talked about it. Future Imperfect is coming back. Uh, Peter David, obviously, is writing that. Greg Land is drawing it. And another one called 1872 different one this is written by jerry duggan and dustin weaver art by dustin weaver it is a western take on marvel characters uh we know steve rogers is going to be in it tony stark's going to be in it bruce banner's going to be in it kingpin's been getting it and a lot of other cool stuff jerry's excited i'm excited in recent news jerry's excited yeah i'm excited too Outside of Secret Wars, we announced a new non-Secret Wars series, which is news in of itself. Uh, Jeff Loveness, mentioned earlier from Jimmy Kimmel Live, is going to be writing a Groot series. So we're going to have Groot in his own book. Uh, it's going to be drawn by the gentleman's name, Escapes Me. I believe it's Brian something. He works in Disney Animation. Uh, I think it's Brian Casinger. I forget how to pronounce his last name, but his stuff looks great. Declan Shalvey and Jordy Belair did a cover for the first issue. looks beautiful. We've been publishing Daredevil Spotlights to lead up to Daredevil on Netflix, Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix. Today, uh, really cool stuff. I don't know if you got a chance to check this out yet. I sent you a link to it. Um, Forrest Helvey, who's a new writer for us, spoke to Denny O'Neill and Klaus Jansen, and they talked about working with Frank Miller on Daredevil. Yeah, I read a little bit of it. Very yeah. cool. Very, very cool stuff. Over in video games, lots of new characters being brought in. Professor X is now in Marvel Puzzle Quest. Iceman is in Marvel Heroes 2015. And we announced our first character for Mighty Marvel Heroes, uh, which the release date of we still have not announced, but it'll be coming soon. And Iron Man is the first character who's going to be playable there. We'll have another one every Monday on Mighty Heroes Marvel Mondays. And if you haven't, go back and check out all our great Women of Marvel games coverage from last week. Uh, we spoke to folks from Spider-Man Unlimited, Contest of Champions, Marvel Heroes 2015, Marvel Puzzle Quest, and Avengers Alliance, women who worked on the games, talking about female characters, all sorts of different stuff, celebrating the great female presence we have in Marvel games. Uh, if you're a Marvel Heroes player, I've got a new computer coming I next week. I know you're excited. You and, keep updating. And so I'm going to... Uh, I'm gonna start a this week in Marvel or Twin Ugh. Faction. I don't know if you can do that, but I'm gonna make I'm gonna make them put that in the game, so that you know any of you listeners want to join, we can play. I've been playing a lot of Contest of Champions, mm-hmm. and I'm in an alliance. You can do alliances now. I'm in this alliance that hasn't really been doing much for me, but I know some of the guys from our uh, our digital media team, some of the uh, product guys, 
trying to get something together. So I'm looking forward to that. I, it's Contest of Champions has become like my go-to time killer. If I'm anywhere and I can't do anything else, like if I'm waiting for something, if I'm on the train, like it's just so fun to just tap away. I've got such a rhythm on it. It's nice. freaking awesome. I love yeah. it. Uh, very cool. Let's kick it over to uh, Stromy, the Wolfman, mm-hmm. and Wacker. Hello there this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom here with a very special edition of the Stromy and the Wolfman show in that it's actually just the Stromy show. Patrick and I could not manage to uh, get ourselves into the same location this week. So you just get me for this one and Patrick will be joining us shortly when he talks with Steve Wacker about what's coming up in Marvel Animation. Kicking things off... In the world of television, we, of course, had an all-new trailer for Marvel's Daredevil, which is coming to Netflix on April 10th. This was, in my opinion, an amazing trailer. We got to see a lot more of Wilson Fisk. We only got, like, the briefest little glimpse of him in the first trailer. In this one, he's... You get... You get lots of Fisk, and it's awesome. You get to see more of uh, Matt as well, of course. You get to see more of Karen, more of Foggy, uh, more of Stick. Tons, tons of exciting stuff going on in it. Lots of stuff I can't really uh, tell you too much about, but it's it's a very good reason to get excited for April 10th when all 13 episodes of the first season will hit Netflix. We also had uh, some casting announcements this week for Marvel's Daredevil. We announced a number of the uh, supporting cast, including uh, the who will play Turk, Turk Barrett from the comics, who you may remember from the comics as sort of a uh, low-level Hell's Kitchen street thug or criminal or something like that, you would call him, I guess. Um, We also announced who will be playing Melvin Potter, also from the comics. And we announced four other characters, original characters, that will be Uh, making their debut in the series as some of Wilson Fisk's allies, including a Japanese businessman named Nobu, a woman named Madame Gao, who runs her own trade, as well as two Russian brothers, Vladimir and Anatoly, who have come over here to America to make make a new name for themselves. You can find out more about all those characters and who's playing them on marvel.com right now speaking of netflix we also posted today if you're listening to this as the podcast goes live a gallery of photos of david tennant visiting the marvel offices of course david Tennant is playing kilgrave in marvel's aka jessica jones our second original netflix series which will be coming in 2015. Uh, David stopped by. He found uh, some familiar faces on some of our wall murals. He chatted with Nick Lowe a little bit about uh, the brass tacks of how one puts together uh, comics. And yeah, you can check out the full gallery right now on marvel.com. Moving over into the world of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, this week we had another great, exciting new episode. Sif returned. Uh, This team uh, found out a little bit more about what happened to Skye. 
So now going into next week, of course, we have an all-new episode on Tuesday at 9, 8 central. Sky's father, Cal, played by the inimitable Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, Well, I I like to call this episode the Crazy Cal Gets Even Crazier episode because Cal, as you may know from watching these series, is not... um, uh, not, not, not altogether there. He can be a little kooky sometimes, and this time he puts together a group of gifted individuals off the S.H.I.E.L.D. index to sort of mess with uh, Coulson's mind, and gets uh, a little personal for Coulson. Also, in this episode, you get to meet, uh, Agent May's ex-husband, Andrew, played by Blair Underwood, and... Well, that's really all I can say about what's coming up in this episode so far. But in the meantime, in the next few days, we'll, of course, have some clips from the episode, some new images. Uh, Today, we're debuting the third print in the Art of Evolution series. The first one was by Gabriel Del Odo. The second one was by Marcos Martin. This third one is by Declan Shalvey and Jordi Belair. It's a gorgeous piece, sort of highlighting, again, Cal and his uh, crazy gang of gifted individuals. You can check it out right now on marvel.com. Of course, all these prints are available in limited quantities on the Marvel shop, which is just shop.marvel.com. The first two are currently available. Uh, The third one by Declan and Jordy will go on sale Friday, uh, March, whatever this Friday is, March uh, 13th at 1230 a.m. Pacific time. So if you're listening to this on Friday, it's already on sale. You can go get it. Again, these are only available in very limited quantities, and once they sell out, they will not be available again. So head over there, shop.marvel.com. Uh, or you can just go to uh, marvelshop.com slash agents of shield. That's a nifty little vanity URL that will direct you right to the agents of shield uh, section of the store where you can get uh, all three of those prints. We also had some more reveals from Marvel's agents of shield double agent, which is a new five part web series that started last week. I believe. Yes, that sounds correct. There will be five episodes. The next one is in another couple weeks. But that first episode, which you can watch at marvelsdoubleagent.com, gave you hints of what's coming up. Well, first it gave you hints of what was coming up in this week's episode. But there are even some hints of uh, some stuff that's coming up in the next couple episodes in there. So go check it out right now, marvelsdoubleagent.com. Finally, wrapping things up and speaking for Patrick, which I know he is uh, more than thrilled that I am probably speaking for him, uh, over an animation, we had an all-new episode of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors, or, well, rather, we, if you're listening to this on Thursday, you can still catch it because it's at 9 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. In this episode, we met Spider-Man Noir and Spider-Ham, and in... Uh, celebration of that. We had some news stories uh, introducing you to Spider-Man Noir, introducing you to Spider-Ham, giving you some of their history. We also had an interview with uh, Milo Ventimiglia, who you may know from Heroes, or as I know him, Jesse from Gilmore Girls, because I will always 
know him as Jesse from Gilmore Girls because Gilmore Girls is awesome. Um, he voiced Spider-Man Noir uh, for this episode. And finally, we had a Spider-Ham listicle, which um, I don't know how many of you are that familiar with Spider-Ham and his histories. I, I will admit, I personally am not. So this listicle features Spider-Ham's weirdest and wildest friends, including, and I'm not making these up, Pun Fisher, Nick Furry, and the Fantastic Fur. Comics, everyone. So you can go check that out on Marvel.com right now. Next week, of course, we'll have another all-new episode of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors. The Spider-Verse event continues. And next week, we'll have some awesome content because in this episode, uh, Peter meets Miles Morales, who is making his Marvel animation debut, voiced by Donald Glover of Community fame. And he will also meet Spider-Knight, uh, who is actually voiced by Christopher Daniel Barnes, who was the voice of Spider-Man in the 90s Spider-Man animated series. And, fun fact, also the voice of Prince Eric in Disney's The Little Mermaid. So, put that under your cap, and I don't, I don't know what that expression is, actually. Anyway, that covers everything I've got. Uh, stay tuned. Patrick will be here. I know y'all miss him. He'll be talking with Steve Wacker in just a moment. Until then, I wish you all a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous-er week. I thank you for listening, and as always, remember, drink your Ovaltine. Good afternoon this week in Marvel. This is Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh, and I am joined by... Uh, Stephen Wacker from Marvel Animation. And something you might notice about Stephen Wacker is that he never fails to bring the heat as far as special guests go. My only special guest that I ever bring is you. Right. And it's just because we record in your office that you're just kind of a package deal. But why don't you tell us who you brought along to join us this week? Well, we were lucky to uh, pull out of the uh, studio today the... Uh uh, our, what are you, the senior vice president of production and development? Look at this guy. His yes, I carry rocks. Family must be so proud. <laughs> we have Eric Radomski, who is uh, the person uh, most responsible for our shows on the air, what they look like, and what they feel like, what they sound like. Um, so, Eric, you've been doing this for a long time now, brother. Yes, and <laughs> what would you like from me? You, you helped... Um, Get the studio off the ground, yeah? Yeah, from from the very beginning, about uh, coming up on almost five years ago, when we started with season one of Spider-Man, before we even had a studio, uh, worked with Film Roman at the time, and sort of set the five-year plan into practice, and uh, hard to believe that we're on the tail end of that five years, and now we're up and running. We've got two different uh, locations that we produce uh, all of the shows uh, for Marvel so far, and so far, uh, successful. Yeah, Eric's been, uh, you know, on shows like uh, Batman: The Animated Series and Spawn. Uh, Spawn, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then back to Warner Brothers for a couple of <laughs> uh, more, more kid-friendly shows. So he's, uh, you know, more than anyone else, he's responsible for, you know, our, our shows on on the air. We're talking today about Spider Verse and Hulk, and um, the reason those have been so successful is because of Eric and his crew. Well, and uh, those other. Th- those other shows that you worked on, those titles don't sound familiar at all, even <laughs> in the slightest. So, I mean, to me, you've got a clean slate. Yes, clean slate. We, at Marvel, we consider his career having started five years ago. <laughs> That's right. Uh, 
So uh, everything else was was, a, <laughs> was the minor leagues. That's right. It was training ground for uh, for the ultimate task of taking on Marvel. Well, and you mentioned that you you started around uh, uh, when Ultimate Spider-Man was coming on. And Steve, you had just mentioned that this week it's a pretty big week for Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, we've got the second part of Spider-Verse that will be airing. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be airing tonight. Tonight. At, tonight at nine o'clock. Cancel everything else against Scandal. We gotta beat Scandal. <laughs> Again, not familiar with that's what that uh, show is because that does our not. Biggest competition. It, it doesn't say Marvel's in front of it, so <laughs> I'm completely oblivious to it. So tonight, Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man: Web Warriors. How does Spider-Verse continue? Well, we start with uh, two uh, two uh, new. Uh, alternate versions of Spider-Man in an episode written by Paul Dini mm-hmm. um, with uh, Spider-Man Noir, straight from the com- comics, and a little guy called Spider-Ham, uh, who, believe it or not, is uh, a pig. Wait, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is uh, another chapter of uh, our P- Peter Parker going uh, through dimensions, um, trying to uh, get the Siege Perilous back, the Green Goblins ch- chasing him. Um, and Eric, I know this one particularly with Alex Soto, the director, uh, and you guys had fun doing the Spider Ham part of this. Which it's one, it's probably my personally my favorite piece of animation we've done ah. this se- season. Yeah. Um, what did you pull from for that? Well, Roy Burdeen was was the principal director. Alex is supervising director on it at Film Roman, and uh, it was again a, a bunch of fun because we had the challenge. And this one, uh, most of all, uh, the juxtaposition of noir at night, dark, seedy, uh, really kind of sexy almost uh, for Spider-Man. And the the second part of the episode is complete uh, sort of a Looney Tunes take, Tex Avery style uh, Spider-Ham. So we we loved being able to break out of the corral a little bit and uh, uh, exercise our art direction uh, prowess and uh, really had fun. Uh, trying to invent the world and make it feel part of Ultimate Spider-Man series and yet stand alone as their own little stories. So uh, I think was... everyone's going to want a Spider-Ham series <laughs> uh, coming out of this. And Ben Dis- Diskin, who does Scar for us on Hulk, he did the voice of uh, Spider-Ham. And uh, uh, Milo Ventimiglia did the voice of Spider-Man Noir. So this is an episode that uh, I think people are going to get very excited about. Well, and you said people are going to want to see a Spider-Ham Well, series. I do, and that's all that matters. <laughs> well, yeah, and so keep your eyes out. The Stephen Wacker is developing his own personal non-Marvel license. I'm paying for it myself. Spider-Ham <laughs> web series. Uh, you can come over to my house and watch it. Well, <laughs> and you had mentioned the, the, the juxtaposition of Spider-Man Noir versus Spider-Ham. And that's I, I think that's kind of a theme running throughout all of Spider-Verse. Last week we had the, the gruff uh, Spider-Man 2099 who's disillusioned by mega corporations. And then you had the, the slightly more whimsical Spider-Girl and the, the kind of gender-swapped. And, and again, uh, Spider-Man Noir versus Spider-Ham. Next week uh, that's going to keep up with uh, when Miles. we have Miles Morales going against the, the contemporary Miles Morales going against uh, Spider-Knight. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I, I did notice that kind of theme of that that juxtaposition. That's sure. pretty cool. And throwing it in the middle of, of the season was uh, it was a challenge, but it was also welcome because we'd already done a couple seasons of, of straight-up Ultimate Spider-Man, and to have the ability to try uh, you know a few different directions uh, really 
stimulated the crew, and we had a lot of fun with it. You know, we've only had one episode to air so far. The response has been so overwhelming that I think we we might have to find a way to do this again. (laughs) Spider-Verse 2, Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) Electro Boogaloo. Ooh. We own that idea now. (laughs) (laughs) But Spider-Verse, Spider-Verse is not the only thing going on in Marvel animation. We also have this Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We have a brand new episode of Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash featuring uh, a guy whose physique is very similar to Stephen Wacker's. That's right. Uh, This one is called uh, A Tale of Hercules. Uh, And I can't tell you who the special guest is. Oh, boy. Uh, but it's a very uh, exciting, uh, strong-willed Greek god named Hercules. So good luck piecing it together from that. Um, well, this... I'm sure when I mentioned physique, people thought, oh, Puck's going to be in this <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, this one's written by uh, Todd Casey, uh, directed by uh, Dan. Dan Fawcett. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hulk is a show that I think near and dear to everybody's heart here. This is... I don't know if it's a level of violence, <laughs> if it's just that the Hulk is fun to animate. Yeah, uh, well, it's 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 sort of the shackles are off because we've got all the Hulks and all of the villains seem to be otherworldly, just in, in scope and scale. Uh, we do seem to be able to get away with a lot more uh, aggression. <laughs> when we do designs, would you say we always start with the, we start from the comic books? Uh, yeah, especially when we have uh, new uh, guest stars, whether they're hero hero visits or villain visits, uh, we'll go to the to the source and uh, work with uh, folks in New York, Casada in particular, um, to lead us in the right path. Which version, which in, incarnation of the characters, uh, the you know the corporate sort of uh, uh, direction is is headed, and then we do. Our version and an adaptation of the character to uh, to fit the design of the show and make it reasonable to animate. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the. That's fun. We get point. to do our own too. Sure, We're absolutely. Doing a brand new ca- character. Yeah. Um, so that's it. That's the that's the big weekend in Marvel animation. I don't know why you would do anything else. No, I don't. No one should leave the house. No one should. Turn off your Xbox. <laughs> Turn off your Xbox or your uh, your. What do people have now? Homework. Homework. Turn off your homework. Turn off your turn off your gramophones. That's give your right. arm a rest. Stop cranking that thing just so you can listen to that that record of yours. And know that while you're watching those shows, Eric will be here. That's right. Just in front of a light box. <laughs> so so don't forget to tune in. Tonight is going to be the premiere of the Spider-Verse Part 2 on Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors, and that's airing on Disney XD. Make sure to check your local listings for Disney XD on when those episodes will be Yeah, they re-airing. play them a lot through the week. I know they've been playing them Tuesday nights at the regularly scheduled time uh, and throughout the weekend. So just do a quick just search the internet. What, are we going to walk you through life? Just get on the web. That's yeah, how you're you, already on it. You, you downloaded you, this thing. Yeah, you found us on the web. I'm sure a decision that you're regretting. So use your time to navigate away from us to go find out when these episodes you actually want to watch. Or maybe Ryan can just say it. After this. That's true. <laughs> what are they, how are they filling time on this thing? I have no idea. Uh, All right, we're back. We'll send it back to hour number three of the uh, Marvel. <laughs> the, the This Week in Marvel podcast. Marvel podcast. So <laughs> check out Spider-Verse and also this Sunday. Make sure uh, to tune in to Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash. And, of course, Eric, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. And next week, Joey Heatherton. 
Special guest. <laughs> Will they even know who no. that is? Nope, no one knows what you're talking about. But until then, uh, make sure to cartoon in to Marvel's animated series. Bye. See ya. All right, thank you guys. Uh, full disclosure. Yes. Uh, we Always were, full disclosure. We got pretty deep into talking about uh, our Twim URC selection, which is our This Week in Marvel Unlimited, Unlimited Reading Club selection of Thor by Walt Simonson. Uh, and uh, the recorder wasn't recording, and I just want to make sure it's recording. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to keep looking at it. Yep. Um, we do not trust Alex anymore. It was recording, let's be fair. It was recording, and it stopped recording for whatever reason. I don't feel like being fair. That's that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we got a lot of good discussion in. And we got through almost all your questions. And we made some really good jokes. uh, We were so funny. That's that's what bothers me, that we were so funny and so charming. It it was probably the funniest series of, of, you know, back and forth we've ever had. So you guys will never hear that. Yeah. Um, What we're going to do instead is try to recapture that, but... With the understanding that we're both now more tired and more hungry and need to get to meetings. So we're going to try to run through this real quick, which is unfortunate because this is an awesome book that Ryan selected. Yeah. uh, Let's be clear. Yeah. This is my pick. Let's let's revisit from our original recording. Uh, Ryan looked at me to start summarizing this because he thought I had picked it. And then I told him that he picked it. And he then went on. That that was our running gag for yeah. the last one. It won't be this time. No, it may, might be it might again be. this time. It might be. We'll see. Let's let, let's let this Anyways, happen naturally. We've got seven issues of Thor. It's basically broken up into two chunks. This is Walt Simonson started his legendary run on the book as both writer and artist. Uh, in the first four issues, we meet Better A Bill, right off the bat. Thor uh, meets him in combat and ends up befriending him after a series of fights they have. Uh, he goes back to Asgard. But uh, the the big thing in the mm-hmm. right in the, the first issue is Beta Ray Bill can pick up Mjolnir. Oh yeah, he can wield the power of Thor. So Beta Ray Bill is this alien who number one another thing we talked about before was he's basically this genetically engineered alien. He's a Captain America of his race. He's Captain America of his race because they were getting besieged by these demons. Uh, they turned him into this like cybernetic warrior. It's very sad because he's the hero of his people, but at the same time they like they. Can't stand to look at him. Totally grossed out. Totally grossed out. Um, so he encounters Thor, picks up Mjolnir, becomes a alien version of Thor. Uh, Thor is left as Donald Blake. Goes back to. They both go end up back at Asgard. Yeah. Uh, where Odin pits them against each other. Well, I think one of the things we didn't get to mm-hmm. is so Thor uh, Odin takes away the enchantment on Mjolnir right. and, and Thor, so he doesn't revert to Donald. Doesn't Blake. have to be Donald Blake. Huge anymore. status quo change for Thor, but. The other, the flip side of that is for Beta Ray Bill, he actually gives yes. him the ability to, to revert back to what whatever his Corbinites look like, yep. his people. Yep. Uh, and the, I got I got emotional reading that the other day because there's a scene where he does that and Bill like breaks down yep. and he like hugs Odin and it's so yeah. sweet. And Odin was probably in his mind, oh, don't hug me, don't uh, hug me, oh, I hate people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so long and short of it is. Bill and Thor, who I love their relationship, they start off as just like they're just like rivals and they're going at it and they have this they have a series of brutal fights, but then they earn each other's respect and by the end of the issue they're just like, I would do anything for you, brother. <laughs> like they're so like broy, they're so masculine. They're basically they're like they're the mega powers. I was just gonna say yeah. it's like the mega powers, but if they didn't collide. Right. They well, yeah, they've never collided since. Well, yeah. Thor and Bill have fought now and again, but yeah, just huge respect. Yeah. Um meanwhile, Sif is also kind of running parallel to this story. She's depressed because Thor essentially broke up with her and her solution is 
she fights some dwarves, and then she gets involved in Bill and Thor's fight, because now, through the long and short of it, they end up both having hammers, they both have powers, they go to fight these demons, and Sif comes with them, and they have a big, awesome space battle that Simonson just draws the hell out of. Yeah, I mean... Thor, uh, Beta Ray Bill being able to wield Mjolnir is like the hugest deal. So mm-hmm. Odin's like, all right, you're legit. Here's yep. a hammer. This thing's called Stormbreaker. Go be awesome. Yeah, go be awesome. He's much nicer to Bill than he ever is to Thor. He really is. Thor is so devoted to Odin in this, too. Yeah. He's so just like, I fight for Odin. Odin's the best. Blah, blah, blah. And Odin, just kind of a creeper, you know, manipulating his son. I don't know. He's not as outwardly jerky as he is in the modern day, but definitely, definitely pulling the strings still. Yeah. So then the second arc, uh, Fafnir, who is this king who became a dragon, Loki, who, of course, behind the scenes this whole time, uh, brings Fafnir back. He's running roughshod all over Manhattan. Thor has his new amazing secret identity of Sigurd Jarlson. Like, you, you can't tell that's Thor. Yeah, it's just, no it's, just it's just Thor. He's huge. It's ridiculous. It's Thor with glasses. It's Thor. He puts on a pair of glasses. And he still has those massive, yep. like, 40-inch pythons. His shoulders are gigantic. It's ridiculous. Uh, Lorelai, who was also sent by Loki, that's Enchantress's little sister, is trying to seduce Thor. He's fighting Fafnir. And then he also has to deal with this dude, Ilith, who is the last Viking. He is an ancestor, or not an ancestor, a descendant of the Vikings who worshipped Thor back in the day. He's an old man now. He's been living in isolation. And he tries to lure Thor to fight him because he wants to die in battle so he can go to Valhalla. Thor will not kill him, so instead he brings him into battle as his, his shield bearer. And he gets a little power from Odin, and they fight Fafnir. And that's another great fight. Um, meanwhile, all this is going on. you got stuff going on with Balder who just came back from the dead, and he's super depressed. Uh, you have stuff going on with all the characters we mentioned. It's just this rich tapestry. You have this mysterious giant building a sword, and it says doom every issue. Doom, doom, doom. It's the thing that Simon's so great about, I mean, and he's great at everything, writing, drawing, signatures, the works, um, but is just, he he's blows up the status quo. He uses all this great Thor mythology, but he's also, he's, he's spinning, like, Four different plots at once going on, uh, and this all builds up to this great, like, I don't know, it's like 30 issues or something he does. It's all amazing. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, yeah, you start here. We only pick seven issues. You guys should read you the entire You only pick seven issues. Yeah, right. That's, I didn't, what, that's I didn't, what I meant. I didn't pick them. Yeah. Uh, all right, Actually, you just said, let's see Walt Simonson's Thor, figure out how many issues, and then I went and picked seven issues. Yeah, so I picked seven <laughs> issues. Uh, let's dive right into your questions and comments. Chris Vaughn, who uh, is at ImmortalThor99 and goes on to prove his worthiness as mm-hmm. a Thor fan, says, The cover to 337 really showed something major was going on inside. In case you didn't know, Walt's signature is a dinosaur. Yeah, and in case you guys didn't know what the cover to Thor 337 is, it's Battery Bill, who had never been seen before. He debuts on this cover, and he is... Dressed as Thor, smashing Thor's logo. Yeah. And then he gets a new logo the next issue. Huge deal. Uh, Beta Ray Bill showed for the first time that there could be someone other than Thor who could be worthy. We are are also introduced to Lorelai from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We might be her first appearance. We're unsure. Not sure. Not sure if it's her first appearance or not. Yeah. Uh, Chris says we're introduced to Lorelai, sister of the Enchantress, and awesome. And there's an awesome literary narrative uh, of the use of the shadowy figure forging a sword out of the heart of a galaxy. It just screams epic. In 338, we also see more of the melancholy of Balder, who had died and come face to face with the warriors he killed, uh, returned to play a big part as, in the next several issues, as well as in the four issue Balder the Brave miniseries. Right, which I don't know if that's on a new MU or not, but 
but it's a great side project that I'm pretty sure is also Simonson, where he basically tells it's it's basically how Balder got his groove back. Yeah, and Ooh. maybe in one of the Visionaries collections too. Ooh, nice. Uh, Thor three thirty nine is the forging of the second hammer, Stormbreaker, with powers and enchantments similar to Mjolnir. Walt Simonson was born to write and draw Thor. Chris says mm. the art and dialogue are in perfect sync to show the honorable warriors uh, of Asgard. Thor. 341, he gets his best secret identity ever. Good enough to fool a man with x-ray vision. We also meet uh, Jerry Sapristi, who will become a long-running cast member, who himself introduces us later to Eric Masterson, who is the who is his architect. Eric Masterson mm-hmm. becomes Thunderstrike. Thunderstrike. Uh, Chris goes on, uh, FYI, there are several Fafnirs. This is the former king of Nastrond, different from the Fafnir from last year's Loki, number three. Chris is bringing the Thor yeah. knowledge. There's Tremendous. Br- bringing the thunder. If you bringing will. the thunder. From uh, down the saga under. of Elif was amazing and truly touching the emotions Thor displayed in his grief at his death. For those that are just learning to love Simonson's Thor, Chris recommends issue 359, showing Thor and a clever use of Mjolnir, Thor 362, featuring the heroic death of the Executioner, and 380, which is, according <laughs> to Chris, bar none, the single greatest comic ever written. Uh, the 362, The Death of the Executioner, is actually one of my favorites. It's, it's an awesome, awesome issue. So good picks by Chris. Daniel Willis at The Dandy Man. That's no helicarrier. That's a blimp. And says, the cinematic universe has ruined my view of Sitwell. Sorry, pal. You'll always be an undercover Hydra agent to me. Poor Jasper Sitwell, who was a pretty good dude in the comics. Yeah. Odin putting his own son in a death match simply because someone else picked up his hammer? Yep, sounds right. And this is an, a sentiment echoed by, this is why we're saying Odin, still kind of a jerk. Yeah. Uh, Volstagg just completely shuts down Agnar, unfazed, amazing. So Agnar is this warrior who comes after Baldur for doing something to him in the past. And since Baldur is so, you know, melancholy and down, Volstagg takes care of Agnar by just sitting on him and then tells him a story for the next two issues about Baldur. And the best part is that once he's done, Hogan is standing right off to the side and he goes, oh, by the way, if he tries again, Hogan's going to, he's going to kill you. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm jolly and I tell stories, but Hogan is just, he's an angry dude. Yep. All this melodrama about who is worthy of wheeling Mjolnir sounds very familiar. Ah, I see this week's Twimmy RC has answered my question last week about Donald Blake. There you go. A... Blank reference followed by a run-in with blank. Bold Simonson, very bold. That is the glasses gag that we're referring to. I'm pretty sure this is Thor versus Godzilla at this point. That's Thor versus Fafnir. Probably as close as we ever get to Thor versus Godzilla. Then asks about Odin or Gandalf, which we had a lot of fun with the fact that Odin basically puts a hat on and tries to disguise himself and goes down to the kingdom of the dwarves, and the dwarves are just like, oh, hey, Odin. And he's like, no. I am but a humble wanderer. Yeah. Don't mind me. I need some help. Would yeah. you not help an old Would you yeah, help this old stranger? Like, okay, Odin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. Don DJ Fanko says, in retrospect, I love how faithfully the comic intro of Beta Ray Bill was incorporated into an episode of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Uh, is that a modified Supra that Colonel Fury drives? I love the orange paint job. We, d- we don't know what Don, that is. neither of us understand yeah, cars. Yeah, we don't, we don't know cars. I know. I get in it, and it goes. I drive a car. Yep. Uh, Don says, wow, Sif battles uh, heartbreak by fighting. She's literally battling. Yeah. Unfortunately, I forget how aggressive she can be, despite reading Journey into Mystery. I wonder why that's unfortunate. I don't know. Uh, I can only imagine the turmoil amongst the readers just after 337. Did factions form in the comic shops? Hashtag Team Thor. Uh, yeah. Think about if this came out today and all of a sudden there was a crazy horse-faced alien. And we're like, this is the new Thor. Deal with it. Yep. Um, yes. Yeah. 
He says, another cliffhanger where the kids in 337 playing disc golf or ultimate frisbee. We get a couple panels of kids throwing a frisbee around. It looks to me, it doesn't look like they're playing an organized game. It looks like they're more just, just tossing, like tossing, tossing the bee. Yeah. And, and he said uh, that John, the one who throws the frisbee. Who's uh, a lousy shot, as yeah, we learned from this panel. Did he ever improve his game? Did he grow up to be John Kolb of the Chicago wild, Wildfire mm -hmm, or fade mm -hmm. into obscurity? Yeah. Everyone knows the Wildfire. Of course, the Chicago Wildfire, the famous Chicago Wildfire. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, you know, that's a great question for somebody who's not us. Yeah. And um, he also says that the end of issue through 37 is a huge cliffhanger with Donald Blake screaming atop uh, Scuttlebutt. So cool. Screaming father, uh, father. in those great. John Workman lettered font. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, the storyline, the Walt Simon's command over the storyline was amazing. Truly a master of his crafts. The only story work of his I read was his run on X Factor and the Frog story for mm -hmm. 364. But that, uh, but not what came before. Truly, his artwork has few equals, but his narratives are packed. At 23 pages, each issue feels like a double size. Absolutely. Gregory Peterson says, great pick for Tumi RC, Ryan's pick. Thank you, Greg. Um, 80s had some great runs, and this is up there along with Claremont's X-Men and Grunewald's Captain America. Hashtag Thorse. Jesse Delia has a bunch of them. Thor 337. Fury knows Donald Blake is Thor. Of course he does. It's his job. Hashtag Fury Super Spy. The end page of Thor 337 is tragic. Why have you forsaken me, father? Odin in this story arc is so much wiser and gentler than Odin of today. What happened? Wait for it. Maybe not. Odin puts his son in a fight to the death, and because Odin is worried, this Thor versus Bill Brawl will lay waste to Asgard. He is sending them to Skarthheim so they can lay waste their worst king, father, deity, and person ever. Uh, definitely a terrible father. Definitely a terrible person. Kind of a wise king. Yeah. Uh, protects his kingdom from getting destroyed. Yeah. Poor Rene Baroque is having a horrible day. First, he buys a useless food processor. Now, Surtur rises. Can't catch a break. That's actually Fafnir rising. Uh, presumably, Surtur rises later and, and also destroys Rene Baroque's house. Is Scuttlebutt female, or is that just how ships are referred to, like cars or boats? Scuttlebutt is sentient, and she is female. I hear the voice of Sir Anthony Hopkins giving Odin's speech on page 19 of issue 340. Huzzah for Marvel's excellent casting choices. Huzzah. Odin calls Bill the second son he never had. Man, does he have issues with kids. He also has many sons. <laughs> um, Lorelai kind of does look like Debbie Harry. Wonder if Simonson was a Blondie fan. I'm going to put money on yes. Just realized Walt Simonson did the art and the script on these books. Just realized. Always blows my mind when someone can do both so well. Absolutely. Fury hands Thor a pair of glasses. They always work for that other guy. Way to go, Mr. Simonson. And he knocks down a reporter named Clark. Love it. Surprise, this made it to printing. I really liked how this week's selection had Thor dealing with internal struggles from wondering how it would be to be mortal, to losing his power, to another, to losing his Don Blake persona, and finally honoring the mortal Eilif's death. Exploring who Thor, an immortal, is by exploring what it means to be mortal is brilliant. Gods and godlike beings are difficult to write, challenges, but Simonson did it wonderfully. Hope his entire Thor run is on Marvel Unlimited. Thanks, another great selection. I did what I could. Yeah, you did a great job. Yep. LJ Hollywood says, about to jump into some vintage Thor for Twim URC. Verily. And he says, is it sad that I've never read a Thor book before? Probably. Yes. Probably. No, definitely. Uh, is Beta Ray Bill a badass? Definitely. definitely. Uh, LJ, I hope you enjoyed this and read much more Thor. Penelope Cat says, one of my all-time favorite comics, Simonson's Thor, is this week's Twim URC pick, and it's moving week. Aww. I'm going to do my best to read something. Thank yeah. you for yeah. persevering. Uh, congrats on the move. Hopefully it's moving on up. Moving uh, on up. Penelope Cat says, I remember when it first came out. I wasn't a Thor fan and didn't know Simonson's work. 
I got excited when I read an article about Simonson's upcoming run in Marvel Age. Penelope Cat says, Marvel Age was this week in Marvel, but on paper. Amazing compliment. Yes. Love Marvel Age. Thank you, sir. Uh, Penelope Cat says, what a dynamic opening to 337. And then a quick uh, precis yeah, of I, what... Yeah, I don't know this word either. Yeah, of who Don Blake is and how he relates to Thor. I remember at the time it seemed like a big deal that Furry, Fury knew Furry. Blake was Thor. Nick Furry. Yeah. Uh, it's, it feels as natural now as it did then. Someone else has the power of Thor, someone who isn't a white dude, and it's regarded as a classic story, not a sales ploy. <laughs> Uh, in 338, he says, So glad to see that Beta Ray Bill slash the Asgardians fight isn't drawn out for the sake of a fight scene. Uh, he says, Right from the start, Simonson sets up multiple intriguing plots. Sif, Balder, the Doom, 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 Loki, and Lorelei, and Beta Ray Bill. So Odin admits he needs a lesson in humility. Then mm. he orders Thor and Bill to battle to the death. Seems like he still needs that lesson. Penelope Cat continues saying, The Volstag Agnar stuff is hilarious. Um, continues 339 Penelope Cat says these bravest warriors must not perish says the guy who insisted on a fight to the death whatevs Odin Thor seemed gracious about losing Mjolnir more than in recent issues is it because Bill bested him in combat um, it could be that could be a good reason like the current the stuff he's dealing with in the current issue is just like oh why am I not worthy why am mm. I just he is still worthy in these issues he just lost to somebody and he respects that yeah Simon's art is so fantastic. He even makes Thor's goats look majestic and powerful, which they are, but still goats. Yeah, what is it? Uh, teeth Nasher and Tooth Grinder? Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Friggin' fantastic name. So good. 340, Volstag's Tale of Balder is like the longest story ever, especially <laughs> for that guy he's sitting on. Yeah. Joking aside, these stories made me an enduring fan of Sith. Such a strong character, much more than a love interest. Truly. Uh, Rick Jones says, I adore Simonson's Thor run. I'm stoked for the Twin URC selection. I'll be pulling out my Simonson omnibus for this one. Nice. Uh, Rick continues, I think the Odinson should start going to... He had a great hashtag there. Uh, oh, enter, hashtag enter horseface. There you go. Uh, Rick says, I think the Odinson should start going to going Such by Sigurd Jarlson again until he gets his hammer Absolutely. back. Absolutely. He has as much of a secret identity now as he did then. Yeah. I love the casual allusion to the distinguished competition's Man of Steel and the tongue-in-cheek mocking of a secret identity. That seemed to be a hit with everybody. Yeah, everybody loves a little fun. Secret Squirrel Wars. Ooh, Thor Cosmic Art is always so pretty. Cupid doll? Am I the only one who doesn't get this reference? That was like a staple of the 80s Yeah, comics. everybody knew what Cupid doll was. Everyone knew what a Cupid doll was. Look it up. I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. Uh, so it's a spaceship that can travel several times faster than light, but its computer still makes clicking noises when it's working. That's pretty great. Scuttlebutt isn't the best name for a starship that I've heard. Was everything else Are taken? Are you kidding me? That's Scuttlebutt amazing. is an amazing name. And it's also spelled with a K, we should note, yeah. because people are listening. Better a Bill saying gift horse has some irony to it. I was thinking that when I was reading this. Yeah. He says something about, like, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. It's, yep. it's phenomenal. So Bill's race's most ferocious carnivore was a horse. Why not? They're terrifying. Yeah, they'll, they'll eat yeah. your face off, bro. Then in reference to the uh, second son thing, says that's got to piss Loki off. Or Ed Odin forgot he was his son. Thought he was trying to forget. Um, then is this the last? Oh, Almost nice. last we're, question. We're, we're, through we're right quick. through there. Asking me what happens in these three blank panels. It doesn't say which issue of Avengers is. There are three random blank panels in here. Yeah. Um, in the trade, which I was reading out of, they do show what they were. Really? Yes. It, it, they show, the next month in the letters column they showed. It was they were going off to Secret Wars. Ooh. So perfectly timed. Um, Connection. Yeah, the, literally these three panels just them going into that thing in uh, Central Park. Central Park, and then yeah. Leaving again. Going to, uh, yeah. yeah. 
Um, Tom Tattersall says, great timing. I was just about to start Stormbreaker. Ooh, love Stormbreaker. I'll shelve it and read this first. Very good. Read this now. Read that now. <laughs> X-Men First Class, he says, haven't read any Walt Simonson or Thor, really, other than Isad Rubik's God of Thunder. Yeah, good pick. His sound effects, though. Are uh, great. His sound effects are amazing, and they're, you know. Yeah, we, we got to credit John Workman. Yep. Letterer. Letterer Supreme. All right, sorry if that was a little quick, guys, but we're exhausted. Um, next time, because we kept talking about it, let's do the first arc on Ultimate Spider-Man. Nice. Because Ultimate Spider-Man and everything Ultimate Wasn't is Wasn't that my pick as well? That great, another great pick. Yeah. You're just racking them up. Yeah. So Nailed it. Let's do that next time. I will put that on there, and uh, we'll talk. let's talk again in a week. Yeah. I think I'll be here. Uh, yeah, I'll be here. Yeah. We'll be well, here at some point. Let's say we'll be here next <laughs> week. Let's make it our beeswax to be here by 9 o'clock. <laughs> Very well done. All right. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, this Week in Marvel, hashtag... Rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>